Welcome everyone to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. I'm Chris, and Dan, I choo-choo-choose you to be my podcast partner. You choo-choo-choose me? We are going to review a very famous episode today. Tell them about it, Dan. Well, this episode is uh, number 15 out of season four. First airing on February 11th, 1993. That's right. It's Valentine's Day, baby. And it's I Love Lisa. It starts on Valentine's Day and ends on President's Day. It's actually pretty funny. Ah, yes, I Love Lisa. So... This is the episode that made Ralph Wiggum a character on The Simpsons. We'd seen Ralph before. He'd have an occasional one one line and a background shot. This is the episode that actually turns him into a character, and the rest is history. Because he's one of the best characters that The Simpsons has ever produced. He's in my top character list of The Simpsons, for sure. Like, he's not, like, as high... As a sideshow Bob, but he's right up there. Characters like him, Milhouse, Ned Flanders, Mr. Burns. Like, those are my favorite characters on the show. And whenever an episode is centric on one of them, it's usually an episode I really, really like. And because it's high on Ralph, it's also high on Police Chief Wiggum, and we get some classic stuff from him, too. Yeah, which is also a great character. I mean, yes, he's the stereotypical fat, dumb chief of police that makes you wonder how he got there but he's a very very funny character so we're gonna do our best here to cover i love lisa and do it justice although this is a top tier episode for me in the simpsons so uh, no matter what i say it won't be as good as actually watching the damn episode but uh to start off such a classic episode we get a really lame-ass chalkboard gag i will not call the principal spudhead What's more lame-ass is the uh, couch gag, which is the third or fourth time we've seen it. The circus. The chorus line. Yeah. So this time, because we've we've seen it so many times and we're doing I Love Lisa, I decided to actually observe what's going on in that. So you have trapeze artists, you have guys on unicycle juggling, you have elephants doing headstands, and Santa's little helper jumping through a flaming hoop. But yeah, that's the famous... the chorus line catch gag, which became their, at the time, signature catch gag. And so they started getting really creative in the later seasons. When the episode quality dipped, the catch gag quality significantly skyrocketed. There must be a connection there somewhere. We used all our creativity on the 10 second bit. Yes. So we start off on Valentine's Day morning with the Monster Mash playing on the radio. Well, I was working in the lab late one night. Well, you know, it's the monsters are all loving each other. And you played the wrong record, didn't you? And we get a glimpse of some candy hearts with some messages on them. Kiss off. Eat my shorts. Prize pig. Love sucks, of course, with the special L-U-V-S-U-X. You stink. And we see that it's Bart doing it bart's preparing some mean looking candy hearts for valentine's day we also get a quick shot of grandpa putting down valentine's day as just being yet another hallmark holiday and then immediately getting jealous because jasper got a card from his granddaughter 
Can I hold the envelope? Mo gets a card from his secret admirer, Dan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and at back at the Simpsons house, Marge puts in I love you plate in front of Homer with spelled out with bacon and eggs. You know, huh? Special special breakfast for a special day, and he immediately goes into panic mode. Oh no. What day is it? Uh, it's our anniversary? No? Crap, she's getting suspicious. Just go for it. Happy Valentine's Day? He got it right. He got it right. But then Bart's like, yeah, what was your Valentine's Day present for mom? Yeah, I bet you got her a great present, of course. Because <laughs> the kids already know it's what's upstairs. up. And he goes upstairs and then like jumps outside, gets in the car and leaves. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite running gags on The Simpsons is the classic. They run off camera and then they let the sound effects tell the story. You know, the the... The footsteps running upstairs, the door closing, you hear the window open. They've done that with so many different ones. My favorite one we'll get to when we get to it is from Homie the Clown when Krusty escapes the mafia. He says, you mind if I go to the bathroom first? And then you hear him making his escape. That's my favorite one. But it's a good running Simpsons gag. And it's it works because it's a simple, it's an audio gag and it's simple. It creates the picture of what they're doing. They get, They walk off camera. And then you get to hear what they're actually trying to do. By the way, how about uh, Ned Flanders' gift to Maud, huh? Singing, do you think I'm sexy? <laughs> Dressed like a cart. With like a but, he does it, but, he has, but he does it like, you know, the PG version. Oh, yeah, of course he does, because it's Ned. So, Homer races to the Quickie Mart to buy a $100 dusty-ass box of chocolates. And and that's a poo with the classic price gouging because he knows this dude's screwed. It's a last minute gift. He can charge whatever he wants for it. It's highway robbery. Yeah, you'll be back. And sure enough, he takes what two steps and then immediately buys it. How about to nickel off on expired baby food to to go with that? You gotta love that last minute thing. So now we have. The kids in school, and Miss Hoover's making them do pointless busy work, as Lisa points out, that they want to exchange their Valentine. She's like, no, you're going to make little cardboard mailboxes to put them in. And I, I, I tried to write down all of Ralph's classic lines here, so let's cover the first one. Miss Hoover, my parents say I'm not allowed to use scissors. Everyone laughs. She's like, that's right. These things couldn't cut through. They could cut through butter. She's like testing it on herself too. You you remember the child safe scissors, right? That were like the crappiest things ever. They're right to laugh. Yes, they're right to laugh at you. Now get out your red crayons, Miss Hoover. Miss Hoover, I don't have a red crayon. <laughs> Why not, Ralph? I ate it. And he does the big smile with his teeth red, and they laugh again. Then, while they're making their their wonderful mailboxes, Principal Skitter makes an announcement on the loudspeaker as somebody has been passing out candy hearts with horrible flashbacks, and Valentine's Day is not a joke. And he has a freaking war flashback to Da Nang. He was like, I believe it was Bart Simpson? <laughs> yeah. 
The student, possibly Bart Simpson, has been doing this. Yeah, because he's got his one of his uh, his fellow soldiers. You making a Valentine for your sweetie, and he gets gunned down immediately. Yep, obviously. Johnny. It's one of those classic Johnny! Things, yeah. <laughs> and he just screams it into the loudspeaker, and Bart's like, ah, oh, cool, I broke his brain. Now it's time to exchange the Valentines, and... Miss Hoover, I glued my head to my shoulder... And everybody's passing out the Valentines. They're all dumping them and checking them out. And I actually feel really bad for Ralph here. Nobody in the class even bothered to get him one. Like, remember that was the thing if you did, like, the Valentines in elementary school? You made sure you had a list of your classmates' names so everybody got one? So that's just mean that nobody did one for Ralph. Like, have 30 of them on purpose. Yeah, exactly. So everybody gets one. Uh, so I genuinely feel well, bad. Lisa, Lisa sees he has them, so she makes one, gives it to him. Yeah, the half-assed, the half-assed one. Just like Homer getting that last-minute gift, she quickly scribbles his name down on a card and gives it to him. And tell you us about the card, Dan. Choo choo choose me, and it has a. Picture of a train. Happy Valentine's Day, Ralph. And he's smitten. So what are... It's worse about getting none? Getting exactly one. Yeah, that might actually have been worse. Like, way worse. (laughs) Because if no one else is paying attention to you, but one girl was, and you were a shy kid like me, you are going to be obsessed. Oh, yeah, they got the special... uh, School lunch menu, too. Hey, what do you want these beef hearts? On the floor. It doesn't look too clean. Do your job, heart boy. Like, that's what they're feeding these kids for lunch. Are just giant cow hearts. And then Bart does the baboon heart prank. Oh, my heart. It's bursting out of my chest. And with a realistic ass heart like that, that, uh... Probably was a pretty funny-ass prank. Tell you what, the parts of animals that people refuse to eat, like the heart and stuff like that, guess what? It looks and tastes just like regular steak. I know. <laughs> like, like, yeah, If, if looks... you didn't know it was heart, you would just think it was a regular cut of steak. That's just it, right? It's like, you, you don't even realize it, but... <laughs> but, oh, it ate a heart. Did you like it? Because you liked it before you knew it was a heart. Yeah, that's the classic thing. So, I've mentioned this before on other shows. Uh, I, I, Parks and Rec is one of the few that gets it right. But all these shows, this is a big problem with animation too, is they always conveniently forget what time of year it is for Valentine's Day. It is a warm, balmy-ass February. I don't recall a Valentine's Day where I wasn't dressed up for friggin' winter. Because February 14th is the dead-ass part of winter, too. Like, that's the miserable part of winter. And it's not like The Simpsons is in a warm climate. We've established they get snow. They get enough snow that you would make a lot of money if you had a plow. Exactly. And, by the way, let's, let's talk about some realism here. It 
snows on Valentine's Day way more often than it snows on Christmas. Way more often. I I mean, by the time Valentine's Day comes around, we're already, we're approaching five months of snow where I grew up. (laughs) Yeah, so you probably don't even realize. (laughs) Well, for you, that far north makes sense, but I'm saying, like, for where I grew up, it's a bit different, but all right, so, yeah, so Ralph's gonna walk Lisa home, but whatever. And that's when he starts gushing over the card. It says, choo, choo, choose me. And there's a picture of a train. And then Ralph attempts to flirt. So Also, look at this, this town where they have a school bus. They get on it every morning, but sometimes they just... Walk home? Walk home. Skateboard home, bike back home. Well, they're always on the bus to school. Yeah, you would think you'd be in a, in a bigger hurry to get home from school. I don't well, know. I mean, to be fair. To be fair. Actually, no, because I was one of the first pickup. I was one of the first dropped up. So, um, actually, I probably, to get back home, I probably wouldn't have been able to beat the bus that much. <laughs> the only reason why you beat the bus is because we have to wait 15 minutes for everyone to get on the bus. Yeah, that's true. Well, that was like senior year. You, we would always race out the door to beat the buses. Because <laughs> you didn't want to be stuck behind the damn buses getting home. I I, I remember that because I had gym my last period. So I would be... Sometimes I wouldn't even get your rest out of my gym clothes. I would grab my backpack... And everything, and I would go wait at the door until the bell rang and they would actually let you leave the premises. And boom, I was running my ass to my car to get out of there. I also always parked near the the back of the lot, which was also where you got out first. So I was always one of the first cars out if if I did it properly. I knew how to get out of school. Yeah, so Ralph, Ralph flirting. So, you like stuff? Stuff? Yep, that's one of my favorites. The that's one of my said, go-to lines. Yep. For the, for... <laughs> the doctor says I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I just kept my finger out of there. And Lisa's like, oh, well, this is me. Bye, Ralph. And abandons him. She runs to the door. Oh, yeah, she runs, yeah. Meanwhile, we've got an Itchy and Scratchy episode entitled My Bloody Valentine. Scratchy gives Itchy a valentine, and Itchy's got the little hearts... He realizes he doesn't have one. So he rips Scratchy's own beating heart out from his chest and gives it to him. And Scratchy Scratchy puts the heart up on the shelf, sits down and reads the newspaper, where the headline reads, You need a heart to live. (laughs) And he panics and goes for his heart and dies. And laughter ensues. And right after that, Krusty comes out and advertises that if you like that, you're going to love attending my 29th anniversary show. We've got all kinds of special clips, including that time Sideshow Mel was was high on wowie sauce. And it's just Mel drunkenly telling off Krusty on the air. Everyone's always kissing your ass. And Bart's like, God, I want to go to that show. And Homer's like, I would sell my firstborn son. And Bart's like, hey, Homer goes, you'll do as you're told. Uh, I love Homer's shitty parenting. And of course, 
as Homer gets up to get a beer, there's Lisa in the kitchen talking to Marge. And she's trying to figure out how to get Ralph to reject her. And cue Homer. He's heard every single rejection line. I like you as a friend. We should see other people. And then it's my not you, it's me. Yep. And then my favorite one, I'm not gay, but I'll learn. <laughs> Which might be the best rejection line ever. That reminds me of Bart writing the letter to Kravopel. Three words, I am gay. Homer, I'm not putting that in the letter, damn it. And that's, uh, so there's Homer's advice. Meanwhile, Ralph's getting advice from his own father. And he says? The key is persistence. You've got to keep at it and never lose your cool because a woman is just like a walnut. As he's breaking walnuts with the butt of his gun. Of course he is. But Dan, one doesn't break. Doesn't, so he gets angry at it and shoots it. <laughs> and then threatens the rest of the nuts. <laughs> Let this be an example. So, of course, we've got more crusty clips as we're, we're billowing up to the... Uh, we're building up to the big anniversary show. Where Krusty's showing a clip of... Uh, an animal handler, because remember, that was like the thing all the talk show hosts always had animal handlers on. Johnny Carson, David Letterman. So why do they call this a urine monkey? Ooh, I just found out. And they make the obvious joke about monkeys and people and stupidity And as Homer is brushing his teeth with a discarded Flanders toothbrush. And that's when Ralph shows up at the door for Lisa. She's like, make up an excuse. Homer goes, she's in the can, go away. Yes, sir, I'd do anything for Lisa. Ooh, anything? (laughs) So what happens to poor Ralph here? He has him do the housework. (laughs) Mr. Simpson, the tar fumes are making me dizzy. Make some tar the roof, like that's a thing. You don't tar a house with a slanted roof. You tar, like, a large building with a flat roof. You do if you're dumbass Homer Simpson, who doesn't know anything about house repair. (laughs) And then we see that Miss Hoover's class is getting, gearing up for the next big holiday, President's Day. And they're going to do a, they're going to do a pageant. And they're auditioning for the roles of who's going to play... George and Martha Washington. Of course, Lisa gets the role of Martha. And the role of George goes to Ralph. And there's the theater kid in the school freaking out. I should have got that role. It was me. I was born to play it. She's like, now, now, Rex. This was chosen fair and square. And you see her do the the blind signal to Wiggum. He's like, there we go, boys. Go ahead and take the boot off of her car. Uh, I love the uh, the crooked crop, the crop, the cook, crooked cop trope is hysterical. But what I always love is that they they portray Lou and Eddie to be actual competent police officers, but yet they still go along with Wiggum's dumbassery. He's the chief, right? Like that's the thing. Um, I also love it because it's it's low stakes because it's a comedy show. Oh, so yeah. he's corrupt, but he's corrupt as in getting his son apart in a fucking second grade play you know yeah. <laughs> by booting 
by booting the teacher's car, which is always funny. <clears throat> and that's when Lisa gets the package from Ralph. It's a Malibu Stacy convertible with a note. Look in the tunk. I think he means trunk. And it's <gasps> tickets to Krusty. Ralph's got two tickets to go to the Krusty anniversary show because you got to be part of the elite to get those. And Bart's upset because he's the number one Krusty fan. He's even got the Krusty home pregnancy test. Oh, yeah, and it says like stuff like it might cause birth defects. Birth defect. Yeah, it might cause birth defects. And Lisa's like, well, I don't want to go. I don't like him. Well, what if I dress up as you and go? Well, what if, what if he... he wants to hold your hands? And he's like, eh, whatever. I'll make that sacrifice. What if he wants to kiss? I'll make that sacrifice. What if you don't want to know how far I'll go, Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> so now Lisa is once again seeking out advice from her father about how uh, is it wrong to accept a gift from someone you don't like? And Homer's like, are you talking about stealing? While he's holding up a diploma with Flanders. And he's putting his name on it. From Oral Roberts, yeah. Yep. But Lisa ends up going along anyway. And she even asks Chief Wiggum on the way, how did you get the tickets? And he goes, oh, well. Krusty knows how to play ball. Yeah, Krusty knows how to play ball. Yeah, because he runs into him at the Porto Theater. Is this a bust? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what this is. <laughs> Chief Wiggum, that story's not appropriate for children. Oh, well, in this version, I keep my pants on. <laughs> so it's the Krusty Anniversary Show. Even Bill Clinton is there. I campaigned for the other guy, but I voted for you. <laughs> Which other guy? Uh, 90... That was the big one. 93, so that would have been Bush. And Nader. That was the big one. And Nader. Nader, yes, that's right. Nader, 92. Or Ralph Nader came in and actually did pretty well. It did better than Ross Perot did. Remember Ross Perot? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that was the Ross Perot year. That was the Ross Perot year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I watched something the other day and Ralph Nader showed up in the middle of nowhere. It was like an old SNL sketch. <laughs> So you got Nader on the brain? And then Ralph Nader just showed up in the middle of the sketch. Well, I remember we learned about it in school because that was the first, that was my first presidential election in school was the 92 one. So they put up the map and they showed you how like a state would be colored a certain color if Clinton won it. And if Bush won it, it would be a different color. And then they had white. I said, what's white? Goes, that's if Ross Perot won a state. I'm like, well, that's a lot of red and blue right there. That, kids, is how I learned how the third-party system works. So in, the two other parties have been in such power for so long that there's no chance for a third party ever. But there's no chance. Because they have to get a certain percentage just to get welcomed to even debate, which know, makes it impossible for them to ever get a higher percentage. Ugh, it's ridiculous. For more on this, check out our uh, my Straight Shooting podcast on our Patreon page, <laughs> where I will delve into politics deeply. And That's that... not even opinion so far. That's all been fact, which well, I'm okay with on this on our shows. Well, no, you're right. It's that's exactly what it is. It's uh, that that's actually how it works. There's, and facts are facts. Speaking of facts, we have some crusty clips of things that he factually <laughs> did, like he humiliated Robert Frost back in 1963. <laughs> 
and he's trying to read one of his poems. And... Yep, and he just and he's doing the the funny faces in the background. And he's like, "Hey, Frost, I got some snow for you." Drops just covers him in snow. And then in 1973, he's trying to sing "The Doors." Break yeah. on through to the other side. That falls on the stage. Oh, I know. What was I remember, on? Remember this classic moment with the sideshow Raheem? <laughs> uh, says I'm supposed to bonk you. I wouldn't. <laughs> I freaking All love right. that. <laughs> and there's Ralph and Lisa in the crowd, and Ralph's trying to pass his ice cream cone to his dad. It drops it on Lisa's dress. And, oh man, and that's chocolate. It never gets out. I mean, look at my pants. I know, it's just horribly stained. Now for my favorite part. What does that say? Hey, Krusty learned to read. I guess that's what happens when you almost go to jail. Talk to the audience. Oh. Ah, don't show me with Ralph. Well, hey, little boy. What's your name? Ralph? Is this your girlfriend, Ralph? Yes, and she loses her mind. Oh, I love Lisa This is Lisa the moment Simpson. where she's had enough. Yeah, because he says, I love Lisa Simpson, and when I grow up, I'm going to marry her. She screams. She's like, I don't even like you. I just gave you that stupid card because nobody else would. And then we cut back. We realize that that's, they're watching it on a videotape. Bart's like, watch this, Lisa. You can pinpoint the exact moment when his heart breaks in half. And he does the, Which is the a meme frame. that has has recently come back. Yes, they uh, use it for any any movie or TV show where a thing happens. They'll put in that Simpsons section and uh, yeah. show the picture of it happening in a different movie or TV show. Uh, it's that's actually pretty rough though. Like, like yeah, he was being pretty dumb and being obnoxious to Lisa, but man, she snaps at him, and when she realizes what that did to him, it's. But that's also part of her character, right? Is like she's still an empathetic person. If she realizes she hurt him, she just she she has to deal with the, her own mistake of letting it build up. And well, it's, that's uh, the issue when you don't tell people anything ever. He's oblivious, and he will continue to be oblivious until you say something. And if you don't say something until you finally blow up, he's going to go from oblivious to holy shit. The last month has been all lies. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a rough moment for poor Ralph. And then when we see him again after the commercial break, he's just trying to feed bread to the ducks and they don't want to be his friend. They all fly away from him. Probably because they know that bread is actually bad for ducks. Look it up, people. And Wiggum tries to comfort him. You know, I know how you feel, boy. You got a wonderful little girl and the world's her oyster. No, Dad, she made a fool of me. Well, come to think of it, she did. Well, nobody messes with the chief of police. Now, where did I put my badge? Hey, that duck's got it. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Ah, keep it. Oh, I see you, untitled goose game. Simpsons did it first. <laughs> That's right. Simpsons did it. Uh, I can't believe we just made an untitled Goose Game reference on a podcast in 2021. Speaking of things that haven't actually gone away but are still out there. Because I'll still see the occasional Goose meme. We need to stream that, especially because there's a co-op mode now. Oh my god, yes. I'll have fun with that. Video Melee Gaming Emporium and Dan's Playhousing. Check them out. 
twitch.tv slash DKCC online. Subscribe today. There's your, there's your quick plug. So Wiggum pulls over Homer. Something wrong, officer? Yeah, he got a taillight out and smashes it. Homer's like, you know, one day honest citizens are going to stand up to you crooked cops. And Wiggum's like, oh, no, oh, really? Oh, man, what, today? <laughs> did they set a date? That's one of my favorite Wiggy Wiggum lines. Wait, did they set a date? They set a date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like you said at the beginning of the episode, as great as this is with Ralph, there's some Clancy moments, too, that are classic. So it's time for the the night of the big pageant, and there's Principal Skinner selling orange drink. Oh yeah, he has to sell it as far down as possible because the last event they did, they started with a fire drill and everyone left before they ate anything. Yup. <laughs> I don't know how our fire drill thing went wrong, and Willie's just like, because you started it with a fire drill, no one came back. <laughs> Uh, water it down some more. I cannot do it anymore, man. She's watered down as far as she can go. 50 cents a cup. <laughs> yeah, no, 50 cents a cup. For the extremely watered down orange drink. So there are some great jokes in here, too. Like, the first thing they do is they do the song about the lesser known presidents. Yes. There's Taylor, there's Tyler, there's Fillmore, and there's Hayes. There's William Henry Harrison. I died in 30 days. And it you can actually tell who some of them are. I think one of them is supposed to be Martin Van Buren. One of them is Chester A. Arthur because they have the distinct facial hair. And like I, some of us, some of us did nothing. Some of us were awful. Like that. Like yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what they are. They you won't find their faces on dollars or on cents. Because I've done. Because you you know I've done this before. Is my that my little parlor trick, which Chris Decker, uh, host of the A Show, who might be listening to this, he's appeared on this podcast a few times. He is, uh, he loves getting me to do the, the pre- name the presidents in order just because I can, because I have them memorized. Because, you know, that's how you get Bob Backlund's autograph. Not that I've ever met him, but if I did, I could do it. And I don't know, Decker, Decker's like genuinely impressed by that. But when you actually go through the list, you realize how many of them don't mean anything. <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of names in there. You're just like, oh. Which means they probably actually did a pretty decent job. Yes, exactly. Because they're not infamously known for anything. Because they didn't make anyone extra mad or anyone extra glad. And guess what? You probably don't want either of those. I think I've mentioned this before, but the worst president in our history is buried in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Like 10 minutes from my house, too. Right downtown. It's like, come see the grave of James Buchanan. I'm like, the guy that started the Civil War? I'd rather piss on it. Pull a pull a cornet on Russo's grave. It's not the one. There's like one about the gravesite of a president, but it's like on a sign. It's like in the middle of a street, but it's like nearby is where he's actually buried. But here's the marker. <laughs> I think so. I I don't remember which one. Maybe it actually is Buchanan. Maybe they don't want you they to don't even, the grave. Yeah, they don't even tell you. They don't even show you the actual grave. It's just in the middle of the street. Well, when you're that infamously bad. <laughs> You know, you started the goddamn Civil War, then yeah. I mean, people would probably do a lot of vandalizing there. Uh, Bart's got a president for you. It's I am not a pro. Yeah, it's Richard Nixon on his ass. Bart, do you want to play John Wilkes Booth? And then Ralph shows up, all dramatic. Leave me alone, I'm here to play George Washington, and gets into a wheelchair 
puts on glasses and a long pipe. Uh, Ralph? I always, I always love that gag, too. And then Milhouse is playing Abe Lincoln. And he's all upset that the beard is itchy. Hoover's like, Milhouse, you've got one line and then you're dead. Just go. Oh, Which he a... has more than one line. Oh, yeah, because he... Because Bart comes out and does a full Terminator routine as John Wilkes Booth. And then they, of course, they fight. And he goes after all the other kids, too. Oh, yeah, when he's, he's doing, like, machine gun sounds on Milhouse. And Homer's like, that a coy, Bart. Kick his ass. <laughs> Your next Chester A. Arthur. Hoover <laughs> grabs him. Unhand me, Yankee. Uh, at least he owned it. You're going to play a presidential assassin. You might as well own it. By the way, did you notice that the only person in the crowd drinking the orange drink was Homer? Obviously. Of course it is. And now our evening comes to an end. Woohoo! With a thorough retelling of the life of George Washington. Don't! And the the first part is, of course, Martha having a, a line about this great country and can we do this and Ralph burns the choo choo choose me card in the fireplace and then turns around and friggin kills it as George Washington who would have thought that yeah, Ralph he would... does a very good job he is full on thespian material he impresses Patty and Selma of all people to impress and he even impresses the bully trio and makes them run to the local library to learn more about Let's the founding fathers. Let's go to fathers. the library. <laughs> and the death scene moves everyone in the theater to tears. I also love that the theatrical kid is back and he just inserts himself into the scene. Here's your broth, sir. I didn't ask for no broth. Be way with ye. Mm, yes, sir. And everybody cries at the end, including Willie. I did not cry when I had to put me mule down, but I'll cry now. And then, of course, the big finale is an animatronic Mount Rushmore singing. And then <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt with Skinner's voice. Thanks for coming! And be sure to purchase some orange drink for the long ride home. You know, that long ride that you can walk home from from school that we established earlier. Yeah. Make sure you get your little paper cup of orange drink. Dude, that reminds me of the bug juice we used to drink at camp. Remember bug juice? Where it's like, it's generic juice. Yeah. But it's actually pretty good. And I think that's the other thing, too, is because it's watered down, it actually hydrates you. So it tasted good, and it you didn't die as a result of drinking it. I remember one time they were going to make the stuff for lunch and they were a little too smart and they're like, well, you know, the the mix would diffuse better than hot water. Oh. Not realizing that the drink would not be cold in time for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> happens. <laughs> so we only have water for lunch today. Sorry. No. But the dinner drink will be extra cold because <laughs> it'll been in the, in the walk-in fridge for seven hours. <laughs> My favorite was one of the first things we would do is uh, somebody did the lunch run. They would uh, – we would put all of the 
the camper because I worked as a camp counselor. We'd put all the ki- the kids uh, lunch lunches from that particular group into a certain crate of you know which number den you were in, one through twelve. And then somebody always made the run up to where the cafeteria was, and they stuck that shit in the giant freezer. So everybody's lunches was nice and cold, including the counselors. They stuck that shit in the freezer. And it was necessary. And then, of course, Ralph signing autographs. And then he goes up to Lisa, and they share a moment. Lisa gives him a new card, Dan. Uh, shit, what does it say? Let's be friends. Yeah, let's be friends. He she friend zoned him. She did. She one hundred percent friend zones him. It says let's be friends and, and there's a picture of a bee on it. And then <laughs> oh, let's be friends, yes. And then Wiggum, as he watches his son and Lisa rekindle their friendship, ignores a riot call. And puts He's on the like, nah, today. <laughs> and t- yep, turns on the radio as they celebrate President's Day with the Monster Mash, <laughs> the perfect bookend to the episode. Uh, Most all our presidents out there. Well, I was working in the lab. <laughs> doggone it! <laughs> they did the mash. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so let's do some I love Lisa trivia. <clears throat> After the episode aired, the staff received a letter from a Vietnam veteran who was angry about the Vietnam flashback scene. Incidentally, Matt Groening's brother, who is also a Vietnam veteran, loved the sequence. So sorry, family wins on that one. Ralph is stated to be Chief Clancy's son for the first time here, confirming what everyone had suspected since the big revelation in Camp Krusty that they share the surname Wiggum. Because if you remember, when Lisa's packet, passing out the packages, she says, Wiggum, and actually gives a package to Ralph. So, this is the official confirmation. <laughs> Robert Frost is reading from his famous poem, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. And he continues the same tone when he says, we discussed this and I said no. So, it's like he just continued the poem. The uh, presidents that were listed in the mediocre song, Taylor, Tyler, Fillmore, William Henry Harrison, uh, four out of the five that are actually named, are the only four presidents who belonged to the Whig Party, W-H-I-G. So, y'all know what the two big parties are. Have you ever heard of the Whig Party? Well, it don't exist anymore. Well, I remember once upon a time... It was the Democratic Republic Party. Oh, yeah, that was the same party. And then that split. Because they, they were facing the Nationalist Party. Yeah, it's actually really interesting if you go back and, and read up on some of the election history. I actually did that during the election last year, just because stuff like that fascinates me, statistics and everything, to see how things turn out. So, you may have picked up on this, Dan, but the uh, Chief Wiggum and Krusty adult movie theater sign is, in fact, a reference to Paul Rubin's arrest. 
the famous Sarasota, Florida arrest where they caught Pee Wee Herman masturbating in the pornographic theater. So do you actually know where the story came from, Dan? This is actually an Al Jean third grade retelling. He got a Valentine from a girl that said, I choo choo choose you. And years later, he wondered if the girl really liked him. He told Mike Reese about it, and Reese was like, you know, why don't we do an episode where that very thing happens, and Lisa does gives a valentine to Ralph, and Ralph takes it way too far. So one of the best episodes was, of course, inspired by something real life. This is also the very first episode to ha- use a profanity sensor bleep. When Sideshow Mel's whacked out on Wowie Sauce, and he says to Krusty, Yora, and they just bleep it. It's actually the first episode that did that. There have been a couple others down the line, but I always really appreciated that joke. <laughs> first and not last appearance of Bill and Hillary Clinton. In fact, if I that was like that was like a culture thing, if you remember, that like Bill Clinton was in everything. Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, the adult cartoons and everything. Everybody would always take a stab at Bill Clinton, Beavis and Butthead. But you didn't see that much after after that with the other presidents, right? Like, Family Guy made some George Bush jokes and Robot Chicken did, and that was it. I don't remember really anything about Obama other than Keith David as a parody of him. Um, I mean, I've seen Donald Trump parodies, but not really as president. Not unlike, unless it's like actual political satire. So I wonder why it was that particular culture that went for that. Because did anybody else satirize presidents as hard as these cartoons in the 90s did? I mean, yes, they, I mean, the Simpsons did go after George Bush, but that's after he wasn't president anymore. The only other thing I can think of is that damn Land of Confusion video at Ronald Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I mean, was that, was that a popular thing? I don't know. No idea. I don't know. It was like a cult of personality thing. Like, I think if those shows were around in Obama's time, they wouldn't, because he's like, We've got this ultra-charismatic president all of a sudden, right? Right. And, well, I mean, Clinton had the distinctive voice and everything. So. Of course, they use the Apocalypse Now reference for the, uh, the picture of someone looking sideways next to Skinner. That's Colonel Kurtz. They even use the music. Of course they did. And the technique, of course, was what holiday haven't we done on The Simpsons or done lately? And this, so they went with Valentine's Day because they'd already done Halloween and Christmas. What else can you do? They tackle a lot of holidays during during the stuff. You gotta hit them all, right? Especially when you've been around so long. Yeah, at some point I think they do, yeah. But yeah, so that is I Love Lisa. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, classic for the Wiggums stuff. Absolutely. Very, this is the probably the first episode that's the most quotable. 
that we're going to talk about. When it comes to like really, really quotable episodes, uh, this one is, is probably the first that we've covered that has the most quotable moments in it. Almost all of them coming from Ralph. And yeah, like anytime Ralph shows up in an episode, like some of his best quotable moments can't come from the episode with Lisa and Allison Taylor, Lisa's rival. And he's not even the star of that episode. It's it's a Lisa centric episode where she's feuding with this girl who's just as smart as she is. But Ralph gets great lines in there. Anytime there's a Wiggum, a, a significant Wiggum role, he gets great lines. So this um this episode is actually very very light on Homer too. If I mean what was Homer really doing in this episode other than he gives Lisa some advice, right? And he makes Ralph work on the roof. Does he really do much else other than the gift at the beginning? Once you get past that first act, Homer's out of the picture. Not even really heavy on Bart other than Bart being upset that he can't go to the crusty thing. So when it comes to Lisa-centric episodes, this is probably one of the best. And again, she has the perfect co-star for it. Next time we come to you guys here on the Stupid Sexy Podcast, we are going to review Duffless. We're going to watch Homer attempt to give up Duff beer. And we're going to see how that goes for him. Does it go well? (laughs) Only one way to find out. Tune in that to that next time. Check out all the great shows on CKCC Radio, patreon.com slash clubkfabe, and twitch.tv slash online. Follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We will see you guys next time to cover Duffless on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting? Nothing at all.